You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love Pour Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning out there in Blog Talk Radio, Land Rainbow, Soul, iTunes, the many ways that people tune in to Off the Shelf. This is our first Saturday in March, and it's coming in. Is it not roaring in? There's so much going on in the world with the coronavirus and prayers for anybody dealing with that, but that is just like, <laughs> can only believe it's just taking over, like taking over everything. But good Saturday morning to you, and before we introduce you to our awesome guests and introduce the show to those it might be your first time tuning in off the shelf i want to leave this thought with you and it's from stephen Hawking. it's look up at the stars and not down at your feet try to make sense of what you see and wonder about what makes the universe exist be curious and again i want to welcome you to our saturday march the 7th 2020 show thank you for joining us i send a special thank you out to our loyal listeners who've been with us for 15 years. We have a wonderful, and I'm excited about today's show, a wonderful author on deck, and and can't wait to introduce you to our guest this morning. But before I do, I want to ask you, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? You know, those of you who've been with us for 15 years, it's been a while since I've been asking you this question. Are you somebody who likes to figure things out before it's, it's revealed. You might even not only in a book, a movie, uh, a, a play, but maybe in your own real life. You, you, you're the one who calls people, and the be curious point. You call people, and you try to piece things together. Some people on jobs are like that. As soon as they hear something, they'll start emailing, calling people, trying to figure it out before it's announced. You're just one of those who like to get out and say, "I knew, I knew before." They said who done it. If that's you and you have that in you, I really encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. And why? Because there is a murder mystery tucked in this story that I really be would be shocked if a reader could figure out who did it and what happened before it's revealed at the end of the book. But even more, when you get Love Pour Over Me, if you value relationships, there's a complicated father-son relationship. And we know how our childhood, they sort of like we're clay, they sort of form us. Well, the way this complicated relationship, it impacts his relationship with a woman he meets at college. And she's actually a woman he's meant to be with. But this is not a smooth relationship because of what he has gone through. But you know what? He's got four friends. They are money in the bank. He has four friends who are there no matter what. And one of them goes on to make it in the NFL. They all go on to do well with their lives. But is one of them linked to the murder? If this, if you value relationships, you love romance, but real-life romance, and you like to figure out who did it before it's revealed. And I'd be shocked if you knew before you got to the end. I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. It's an ebook or in print format. You can get a copy even now. And if you don't sit on the shelves, just ask for a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and a clerk can get you a copy. So go out and get yourself a copy of Love Pour Over Me today. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And today's off-the-shelf guest is... Keith Leon. Now, he is known as the book guy. Keith is the author of the books, Walking with My Angels. We're definitely going to dig into that one today. Who do you think you are? Discover the purpose of your life. The world's greatest business card. These are interesting titles. You make a difference. Make a book, move a book, book sale, and the seven steps to successful relationships. Now, Keith's work has been covered by magazines and media outlets such as Inc. Magazine, L.A. Weekly, The Huffington Post, Publish Magazine, and Succeed Magazine. And he has shared the stage with Jack Canfield, Bob Proctor, Neil 
Donald Walsh, Barbara DeAngelis, John Gray, Michael Beckwith, and Marion Williamson. Of course, she ran for president, if I'm if I remember correctly, uh, but she pulled out. And he's also a member of the Evolutionary Business Council. We are honored to have Keith Leon with us this morning, and we want to welcome him this morning to Off the Shelf. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Keith. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure, a pleasure to have you here on the show this morning. The first few questions that I'm going to ask you, I ask every guest on the show. When I first started out, I just went right into the questions, and then guests, Listeners started saying to me they wanted to know a little bit about the guests before I started into the questions. Mm-hmm. So I asked every guest uh, these first four or five questions. So to begin to kick it off, could you tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? <laughs> wow. Well, I grew up in Long Beach, California, and my parents divorced when I was two, and I stayed with my mom, which uh, she was a – manic depressive uh, in the bed mostly, which kind of left me to raise myself. You know, people, uh, women in the church tried to pitch in, my grandmother, my sister all kind of tried to pitch in, but for the most part, I uh, raised myself. And so I believe that's why my guardian angel came to me at such a young time in my life to kind of help raise me, <laughs> if you will, because I was, uh, I was self-raising at that point. So yeah. So you and uh, where did you say your father and it was in the in the uh, his he was. Uh, they got divorced when I was two. My parents. And oh, then, so he was uh, shortly he after that. Stay until he was. Uh, yeah, and then he moved to Virginia, and he was clear across the United States, so he was uh, absent. Okay. Do Do you keep <laughs> yeah. Do you? And can you give me us your website URL as well? Because I want to always like to share that with our listeners. Sure. Uh, go to Leon Smith Publishing, L-E-O-N-S-M-I-T-H Publishing. Dot com? Dot com, yeah. LeonSmithPublishing.com. Uh, I always like to give that out to our listeners. If you want to go and check, the, I always like because sometimes you can now, you might see something that our guests offer. You want to bookmark, you want to go back and get a service or something that they offer. It's LeonSmithPublishing.com, L-E-O-N-S-M-I-T-H-P-U-B-L-I-S-H-I-N-G.com, LeonSmithPublishing.com. Now, when you were a kid, and thank you for sharing your like, your, your story of, of where you grew up and what it was like for you. But as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you say, when I grew up, this is what I want to be? <laughs> That's the funny thing. When I, uh, when I was about 12, I just I created this plan that I wanted to be I wanted to be a musician, a rock star in my 20s and, and 30s. And then 40s, I wanted to be a best-selling author and a speaker. And then in my 50s, I wanted to be a filmmaker. So that was my plan. <laughs> and uh, – 20s and 30s, I mean, I did play music all over the world. I, I didn't uh, get as, you know, huge as I dreamed, but uh, but kind of in the, in, the, in the spiritual group, you know, uh, I did get uh, known within people that love spiritual music, so, so that was, I felt like mission accomplished there. And then, uh, and then I did write a book, uh, many books, in my, in my 40s and, and now 50s, and uh, the whole filmmaker thing is still yet to be revealed. I uh, am planning on making a documentary based on uh, my, my touring and speaking and, and this book that's out right now. Uh, that's really what I want to do for my first piece is interview people about how angels have showed up in their lives and uh, and share my story and kind of chronicle my journey uh, on the road and, and connecting with these incredible people. So that's the plan for 50. <laughs> but, who but, or what inspired you? You've written several books. Who or what inspired you to pursue writing? Where did the, where did the, the birth for your love for books come from? Hmm. Well, you know, the the first book that my wife and I wrote was called The Seven Steps to Successful Relationships. And I really I talk about this in the book. I, I had used a specific uh, plan to 
become the person that I needed to become to attract my perfect mate. And I did the work and I created a list on what I would love to have in my perfect mate. And then I became that list myself. And then when I did that, I attracted my perfect mate, Mara. And when we first got together, we kind of kind of told on ourselves about what we had done in the past that did not work in relationship. And one of the things that was the same was communication. We didn't really communicate well. And so we put and brought a focus and an awareness to creating clear and effective communication in our relationship. And that was like our number one core value, our most important thing. So we started uh, putting emphasis on that, and and we were communicating really well. And what happened was we would we would be out in public, and and we would have something come up, and then we would like work through it and get to the other side. And and a bunch of people came to us and said like, "What's that thing you do? What's that thing you do?" And we we're like, "What thing?" And they said, "Well, you know, like in our house, where he says something that that I would have like thrown something at him, or <laughs> you know." Like there would have been a major, major fight, and then you guys just do say some words to each other, and then everything's fine. What is that? And so um, the next time, uh, after hearing that a number of times, the next time my wife and I had an argument, she said, do you mind if I grab a piece of paper and write this down? And I mean, this is the middle of an argument. I'm like, whatever, whatever, okay. So she, so she grabbed the paper, and she wrote down what we were saying in our communication and really kept track of it. And what we realized we were doing, we had created and we're doing a kind of specific format in the way that we were communicating. And once we wrote it down, we were like, this is, wow, this is good. No wonder it works. First of all, this is incredible. But we had kind of organically created it. And so uh, it was that idea that, that, and that format, which is now called the format, that we taught to our friends and family first because they were the ones uh, also asking about it. And we taught it to them, and they were using our format, and it was working for them. And so when it worked for them, then we said, well, maybe we should uh, reach out to other people that aren't friends and family, see if it works for them. And those who used it, it worked for them. So uh, eventually uh, I'm sharing this uh, with people, and, and they're just like, you know, you should write a book about that. You should write a book about that. And so, uh, so we did. We wrote a book, and that thing that now we now call the format, which is a form of communication, is why that we were able to get John Gray, the number one selling relationship author of all time. Uh, he authored uh, Men from Mars, Women are from Venus. Uh, he actually endorsed our relationship book on the front cover, saying that we had tips and tools that work, which was uh, amazing <laughs> to have the number one. Time. I was going to so, ask so that's you which came first for you. I was going to ask you which came first yeah. for you, book writing or motivational speaking, and it sounds like just yeah. your wife's awareness that uh, people saying, what are you doing, why is it working, let's just put it down yeah. on paper so we can share what's what's working. Yeah. yeah we had both can you share one or two tips with our off-the-shelf listeners, uh, what, what you found that did work? In, in relationships, especially if you really are at a, two opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing that we agreed on from the very beginning was no name calling. Like, period. Mm. No name. No name calling, because you can truly never take anything back that you said. There's no form of apology. There's nothing that will erase anything that you ever said, and so you just don't say it. If you have. Uh, words coming into mind that are nasty, then you can keep them in your head, go somewhere else, <laughs> go into another room and express them away from the person that you love because you can't take it back. So no name calling was the first thing. And then the second was, uh, and the most important thing is truly is clear and effective communication. So, uh, you know, being willing to go there and, and more importantly to listen, listen what the other person is saying and to get really clear on what they're saying before you even try to reply. How many times do you even, like, if you're in an argument, do you even, do you like even get to finish your sentence before someone jumps in and cuts you off and comes in with their thing? And uh, if you're really sitting back with, for the sake and the practice of listening, because everything that you say, I want to repeat back to you. Here's what I just heard you say. If I get into the form of, 
I'm listening because I need to repeat that to you when we get done here, then it takes me out of feeling the sting of everything that you're saying, feeling, you know, smacked by if you said something like, you know, how you feel sometimes you're just like, oh, every time someone says something. Well, if you're focused on, oh, I want to remember what she said exactly, this, okay, then she said that, and she said that, and you're in that focus, then it takes the sting off the words when they're being said, and, uh, and that helps you become uh, a better listener right off the bat. Interesting. you got to really care about the other person to do that, too. You have to be patient, and you have to care about the other person. Hopefully love yourself, of course, and care about the other person as much. Or if you care about yourself more, you probably wouldn't pull that off. But those those are things, I think, that just help us and we're awakening in so many areas of our life. That stuff just transfers itself work relationships, and mm. once you start getting that stuff down, I think the benefits are far-reaching. So I want to talk about your books, and mm-hmm. I definitely want to talk about the one with the, the angels. But what is the world's yeah. greatest business card? What What is this? What is the world's greatest business mm-hmm. card? Uh, the world's greatest business card is a book. Because when oh. we, uh, and I'm talking to uh, you know entrepreneurs, people who want to, who have a mission and a message they want to share with the world. They want to speak. They want to be on TV and radio, and they want to make a difference, uh, you know, globally or in the states or whatever that vision is. Uh, there's no greater business card you could have to grow your business as a coach, right? Uh, as a as a uh, mentor, any of that, than than a book that specifically states why you do what you do, well, what you do, why you do it, more importantly, the place that you do it from, right? Because uh, gone are the days where we hand some, somebody says, yeah, what do you do? And we answer the question, hopefully, in one sentence, instead of blathering on and on till their face, you know, blood drains from their face, and, <laughs> and they're like, want to get away from you because you're throwing up all over them, but that's the first step quickly answer the question, what do you do? But when they are interested enough to say, do you have a card? It's important not to give them that teeny tiny piece of paper that Mm. nobody ever does business from a piece of paper anymore. When's the last time we actually got a call back from someone and we gave them that little, you know, three by one and a half inch piece of paper, that paper cannot explain what you do, why you do it, how you do it, and the place that you do it from. It just can't do that. So so when people say, do you have a business card, and you say, yes, I do, and then you hand them a book, now they're wow. like, oh my, oh, my God, this person is not a talker. They're a doer because they actually have a book instead of someday are going to have a book. And they can afford to give it to me as their business card, so clearly they must be successful. And if you do it right, there's an endorsement right on the front cover from somebody famous who says, you are the one, right? So they're like, wow, they're impressed by that. And then and then maybe they go home and read it and then love you. Or if you give it to them correctly with an offer, like, hey, go home and read this book and then give me a call and I'll give you this. So it could be a free first coaching call if that's if you want to be a coach or something that has value and you tell them the value that you just gave them. You know, that's a $500 call, by the way. So just call me and let me know when you're ready and, and we'll do that. So now you just gave them that call plus a book. So you must be successful. So they either go home, read it, and call you to get the free thing or they throw it on the table and every time they pass a book, because nobody ever throws away a book. They see the book and it says, call you and get the free thing. Call you and get the free thing. Call you and get the free thing. <laughs> so you will hear from that person. And so that's why it's the world's greatest business card because, A, nobody's ever going to throw away. They're going to be blown away that you have it. They're going to be blown away by who says you're awesome on the outside cover and maybe some on the inside. And then they're going to want to take you up on that offer. So when you leave them with that, Instead of a teeny tiny piece of paper business card, it's not uh, when it's not if you'll hear from them, it's when you'll hear from them. Ah, now tell us about the roadmap to book writing success. Hmm. Uh, well, that's one of the things that I um, that we created years ago to just to help authors get out of their head and onto paper what they want to write in a book. And so, uh, so we really have two roadmaps. Uh, that one is, is the older one that helps people who do want to write a book to just get everything out on paper, and, and then it tells you 
uh, ways to start writing and to keep writing uh, so that you'll finish the book. And if you do that, then you'll have a great experience. If you're like most people in the world uh, these days, they're too busy to write a book. They're just being of service to everybody else and not making the time, coming up with all the excuses not to write a book. And so, uh, so we actually created a process called the You Speak It book process where you don't have to write a single word. You just show up and let us guide you through speaking the book. And the, the new roadmap to success is the uh, first call that we do in that process. So it's a, it's a different format, but it's the same result. We get clear exactly what the book will be from front to back on the call, and then we just proceed to, to get the content. So, so yeah. Can you tell us, this is, this, uh, this is one I really, really highlighted as I was promoting today's show. What is the inspiration behind the book? We've been talking about books, the roadmap to book success. What is the inspiration behind the book? Walking with my angels. What inspired you to pen that particular book? Mm. Well, all the other books that I have done until now were books to be of service, right? Books to to make an impact and be of of service to the world. Uh, this book is actually my life purpose book. Ah. Why I'm this is why I'm on the planet. This is what I am here to share and uh and it's clear from from the very beginning uh, when you read the introduction that uh, that's that's my mission from here on out is to to mm. introduce people to their i'm going to call them angels but those of you listening you may call it intuition inner guidance uh, you may call it god okay. spirit god spirit universe allah jehovah like it doesn't care what you call it as long as you call it. And so so what that means is, you know, we are we we can agree that everything is energy, right? We're made up of energy. And so we come from that energy. And some people call it God, some people call it energy. Uh, again, whatever you like to call it is perfect fill in the name you like, right? So we come from that source. That's where we came from. We're made in the image and likeness of it and we're made up of it. And so just because we chose to move out of that form and come into a body does not mean that we're disconnected from it. We we have direct connection to this thing. And so I'm here to teach people how to access that part of them that already knows the answer to every question, to uh, do that in real time so that uh, so that you get answers. And uh, that's that's my journey and why I'm here and what the book ultimately is about. Uh, now, this, this all, I have to add. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. That's okay. We have that little delay, so go ahead. Yeah. I was going to ask you, when you said we're all, I wanted you to finish your statement. You started to say something. We're all, okay. I so don't the, so, <laughs> Okay. I, this I have to ask you. So the book, now it's, it's shifted. You've gone from service to trying to help other people now. Uh, just walking, I guess, their purpose. How and when did the message from from the book, for the book, Walking With My Angels, come to you? How did you get the message even about this book? Did it come through a dream? How did it come to you? Right. Yeah, that's in the book. In my early 20s, in my early 20s, I was working with an earthbound angel and I mean a real earthbound angel, meaning an angel. There's a group of angels that are here on the earth that are that were etheric angels, and then they they were put on the earth to work with certain people to keep those people on this planet to do the work that they're here to do. And in most of the cases, these people would not have made it to that time if they didn't get a little help, right? And so, uh, so this angel was working with me. And that's really my favorite part of the book uh, is this angel was working with me, taking me from believing in nothing to believing in everything so that I can do the work that I do today. And I had to believe in everything in order to be able to do that. So one of the ways that he uh, – one of the things that, that he did to uh, to show me why I was here and my purpose was to facilitate an out-of-body experience. And so I raised out of my body and, and – 
went out kind of over the city, over the woods, and then came down to this uh, this campfire, this huge fire, and around the fire were uh, ancestors, were um, beings of light, were all kinds of uh, spirits and beings that shared with me what I was here on the earth to do. And so they actually said, that I would be writing a book called Walking with My Angels, so it's their title, not mine, and that in the book I would be sharing all of my interactions with uh, with spirits, with angels, um, all the times that I could have died and didn't, which, by the way, was seven when I wrote the book and is eight now, so eight times I should have clearly left the planet and didn't. Uh, and so I was told that I would write this book in my early 20s, and so I always knew that, but also I was told that for my next steps all along the way in my life, I would remember things that were said at that particular uh, meeting. And because when I came back into my body, I really could only remember what the first one said. And I asked my angel, why can I only remember what that one said? And he said, because, you know, it's too much for you to wrap your mind around. And so as you go through life, you'll remember what that one said. And then you'll do what that. You'll do that. That's your next step. And then when you complete that next step, you'll remember what that one said. And so my whole life has been a prompting of remembering things that were told to me and then me just stepping into that. So it was a long drought from from early 20s to when they finally said, time to write the book. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time of being in service. and But every book that I wrote and every author that I helped write a book and everyone that we published and every time I spoke and every radio show and every TV show and everything that I did was all in service to this message so that when it came out, uh, there would be an audience and people would be ready. And I think that's why it took so long. Because, you know, back when this was told to me, if I even shared that with anybody in the 90s, oh, yeah. they would have just got me a straight jacket and some medicine and <laughs> threw me in a padded room, you know. And so uh, so I get why it was by the time I came out with this, you know, there's uh, most people are open. They're like, wow, man, that's so cool. That's so interesting. Instead of really, <laughs> what are you crying? Were you meditating? So, uh, How, what, you know, like sometimes if you, I've had like visions that came up out of nowhere. I was at like a sporting event or driving, and it just out of nowhere to pop up. Were you like meditating? Yeah. Were you at a retreat or something? When it, or did it just come up out of seemingly nowhere that you had that experience? Well, I was literally working with with an angel, and so he facilitated the process. He gave me something that he always had on his person, and said, "You know, wear this tonight when you go to sleep. We're gonna we're gonna journey together." And so uh, it was a little screwdriver that he wore at work. He was a mechanic, and so I put that on my shirt and laid down and went to sleep. And as soon as I laid down and fell asleep supposedly asleep then I raised out of my body and was hovering over my body more awake than I am when I'm awake like I realized oh it was second, a person it was a person yeah you were working with a person yeah. like at work yeah a person, person yeah okay okay well no and no an angel that was in in a body as a person yeah but he was uh specifically one of the angels that go and they're assigned to certain people to save them from themselves, really, so and keep them from dying before their predetermined expiration date so that they can do the work they're here to do on the planet. And at that time, I was drinking and drugging, and I was headed to, you know, a grave pretty qu pretty quickly if I kept doing what I was doing. And But if I kept doing that and I died, then he said it would have a not-so-great effect on the planet, that I was here to do great things and that ultimately I would help to raise the vibration of the planet. No stress, no pressure. <laughs> Somebody in their early 20s are saying, raise the vibration of the planet. So I was a little like, okay, <laughs> whatever, dude. But uh, but through time, he, he did so many things to prove to me that he was who he said he was. He just showed me proof after proof until I finally believed, wow, this is an angel and he's here to help me. He's here to save me. He's here to guide me into what I'm here to do on the earth. And so uh, all of this is, is in the book. And, uh, Did you, you know, I can, people listening to this, it's even like sometimes you read stories in the Bible and you're like, wait a minute. Did, 
Yeah. Did he have a Did he have a family? Did he have like a a regular life as well? Did you meet any? Did he have other friends? Did he? Hmm. Uh, the only other life that I know of was his work. Um, he no, he lived by himself because if you if you think about it, this this person has to if they're assigned to people, right? So this is what he goes through. He has to he's assigned to somebody. He has to go move to that town. He has to find a job. He has to find a place. He has to finally, when he has everything in place, then go find the person that he's assigned to. Then hang out, do something to get their attention and enough to become friends with them to where that person finally invites them to hang out after work, you know, and then, uh, cause me, you know, he came to my work and then eventually I said, you know, Hey, let's, do you want to hang out after work? And he said, sure. And then he had to start with inquiry questions like, Hey, what do you believe in? What do you believe in when it comes to, you know, psychics and all that? And then I shared at that point, not a lot. My belief system, right, was not a lot, and so he had to work from that slowly to 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 get me to believe by showing me things. You know, so one of the things I talk about, he did a, was called a life review and took a, a ring that I had on that my stepfather had died with it on and put it in his hands and and told me my my life story up until the point where my stepfather died with that ring on and he told me everything you know your parents divorced when you were two and your dad left and and you're raising yourself and then your guardian angel came to you and like everything and there's no google back then so he does not know this right (laughs) there's no way he can know this stuff and that's how he started just to, to get me to go hmm well I guess this guy's psychic, right? And then he, then he would uh, do things like predict world events and tell me how my whole next day was going to go. And he did so many things that finally I I believed in him. And so he had to get to that point. So then finally he could reveal why he was here and what he was here to do with me. And then that really started day one of training, right? So it was it's a long process. And uh, and that's what he does over and over again. So one of the things he said was he would he would kick me from believing in nothing to believing in everything. Three things he would do: kick me from believing in nothing to believing in everything, so that I could make a difference on the planet. Uh, two would reveal my life purpose to me, and then three would save my life. And then once he saved my life, then I had to let him go because he would then have to leave and go do all this for the next person. Do you think everybody has an angel? And if they do, is is it could could we have an angel that shows up like a person? You think it's just a person, and when they finish their function, mm. they're gone. They're out. They're out of your life. It could be your child. It could be. It could be a a, a partner. Once they fulfill their function, they're gone. They're gone. But um, mm. do you think everybody right. has an angel? That, that yeah. Every, everybody has a, everybody. Everybody has at least one guardian angel, so so that that angel is there to do two things. They have two jobs: love you unconditionally. That's job number one, and the second one is get you to your predetermined expiration date. Like there's a time that you're supposed to be here on the planet, and and but there's so many moving parts now. It's like planes, trains, automobiles, you know, gang fights, shootings. You know, like there's so many ways we could go now that they're on high watch. And so they're just like loving us unconditionally and trying to keep us on the planet as long as we're supposed to be here. And if and so that's their job. But because we have free will, guardian angel can't do anything else unless you ask. And so that's why. Angel evocation, or I like to I like to call it invitation. Uh, if you'd like to see more from your guardian angel, then you've got to tell them. So, however that looks for you, hey, guardian angel, thank you for keeping me alive up until now. I want you to know that I'm open to seeing you. I'm open to hearing you. I would love for you to show up in my life and with evidence that and proof that it's you. Right? I'm totally interested in that. My eyes are open. I'm keeping an eye out now. You know, show me, show me that you're there, and show me in ways that I will know that it's you. I'll absolutely know that it's you. That's an invitation. Now now they're like, oh, thank God. You know, I've just been loving you and keeping you alive, and now we get to play. Now I get to show up, right? And uh, and they'll do that. So we have those guardian angels, but then there's, uh, like you said, you know, there are people that show up in our lives uh, that are here to uh, to help us get to other levels, and they may or may not even know that. But yeah, like you like you said, some people when they have fulfilled their purpose, 
and they get to that point where they're supposed to leave the planet that they agreed on before they even got here, then they're gone. So that can uh, help to explain why, you know, they say only the good die young, right? <laughs> Sometimes there's people that are that are young and they're just incredible people and they do so much good for, for everybody and people say like, well, why would that person you know, not be spared? Why would they die when they were so young? Because they, they did everything they were agreed to do and they did it in a short mm-hmm. amount of time and now they're now they're on to life after life, which is, you know, not death, only the, going from one room into the next room, right? And now they're doing great work there. Now, did did the angels, did you have, when you were working on the book, Walking With My Angels, because it's in plural, yeah. does the one guy you were working with, is it the first one who told you to get your screwdriver something to go home, and then you started having, like, this out-of-body experience? But did, did this individual or were there also other angels did they give you specific guidance like put this put this in chapter one and in chapter two and they literally told you what to write is that how the process for writing walking with my angels came about yeah it it was an amazing process because uh, over the years you know how kind of memory fades over time and i mean it had been 20 five years right at least and um and so i remembered some things that happened i remembered metaphors i remembered pieces of things and 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 all of that but when i sat down to write this book because i said it's time then i evoked invited angels to all my angels right to work through me to come in and assist and so basically I, i just chronicled my my whole life story and uh and especially when i got to that that part all the all the parts with angels the most incredible thing happened in that i had complete and total recall so while i was writing it was like i could remember specific conversation like then he said then i said then she said then i said then i said then she said he said like everything and so i just wrote everything down and the the most beautiful part about that experience was then all of the things that happened with that with that earthbound angel, I got to relive again. And I got to mm-hmm. feel again and experience again. And so my faith was reborn again and and my strength and belief was reborn again because I got to to experience it all again, uh in as if in real time, in full memory recall. So it was amazing. So this angel person you met in person is no longer in your life, it sounds like, from listening to you. It, it, he's no longer physically there. Yeah, like, he, I can I can still communicate, but not, not in the physical, because, like, like he had said, you know, as soon as I save your life, you, you have to let me go, because then I'll be assigned to the next person, and then I have to do the same for, for that person. And so that was truly the hardest thing I ever had to do, because this person really became so many roles for me like he took me to do things that I never got to do because I didn't have a father you know he was the brother that I that I didn't have right he was he was all these roles and angel to me and a father figure and all of that and then all of a sudden I had to you know let him go after he saved my life and so that was was a really hard thing to do Uh, but I know that he's still doing the same thing helping other people you know making making a difference in people's lives. I can't imagine how many people he's helped and served even since then. Uh, but I still I still talk to him. I still get uh, evidence that he's still with me, uh, even though not in the flesh, but, but still available for support if I need to reach out. And uh, and then in the book, there's another, another uh, person that I worked with physically at my job who took me on many journeys and was... Uh, very very spiritual uh, person and and we we did so many incredible things that were out, you know out of this world together and that person's name was Larry so anybody who's read the book uh, this this will excite you probably as much as me uh, is that I uh, while I was on tour because I just completed the first leg of my my tour uh, to New York and then California and then Florida but toward the end of that tour I actually got a Facebook message from Larry Wright who's uh, another 
angel person that I worked with right, uh, in my early 20s and had not really spoken to since then. And um, I got a Facebook message from a Larry Wright, and I said, is this the Larry Wright? You know, the Larry Wright, and that's all I said. And he said, the Larry Wright who? And then started typing in things that I had shared with my wife uh, over the years and shared in the book, And uh, and but things that only he could know. You know, things that weren't necessarily in the book. And so I'm like, oh, let's get on the phone. And so so we got on the phone, and I put him on the speakerphone, and my wife was just sitting there going, whoa, with, like, her hair standing up on her arms with chills because because he was saying, hey, remember when? And he was saying, like, all the things that I told her for the last <laughs> You know, twenty wow. twenty years that we've been been together. Remember when that happened? Or remember when that happened? And things that just weren't in the book, or things he couldn't have known. And he hasn't read the book. You know, he didn't know that it was even out there. But um, so yeah, so she was just like, oh my gosh, because it was like, wow, man, all those things you know that you said. And he was saying the same exact thing. So it's uh, it was uh, it was incredible. So I've I've recently uh, been in touch with him and we've been connecting and, and so that answered a question that I posed in the book about Larry because I hadn't spoken to him since then and there's a million Larry Wrights so I you know I mean how could I find him on Facebook there's only a million Larry Wrights to choose from <laughs> and he moves around wow, yeah so, you know I, we, we, I believe everything's connected and if you can tap in yeah we have a, a guest coming up on a on a in June on off the shelf um talking about talking to angels and if you can tap in because it's all connected and a book that she wrote and it just and then listening to you is like wow when when somebody is able to do that people who if we don't it's hard to believe something you've never experienced but it doesn't mean it's not true but my next question you talked about your purpose helping to raise uh, people's vibration so you why is that important, and what is a vibration in layperson's terms, and why is it important to raise it? What is it, first of all, and why is it important to raise it? Mm. That's a great question. Uh, well, raise vibration means uh, lift our consciousness. So some people consider consciousness to be mind. Some people think it's we're we're driven by subconscious some people believe uh that we're pure energy so no matter what your belief is it's uh if there are dark energies and there is light right so there's dark and there's light (laughs) well there's also a low vibration and there's also high vibration so so people like jesus were in a extremely high energy high vibration they believe that all things are possible and therefore because of their belief that all things are possible and tapping into that all things were possible to them and so uh like jesus said over and over again it happens as we believe pray believing that you'll have and and you'll receive as you believe it's done unto you said it like a million ways right as you believe it's done unto you so if that is true then it's important that what we believe is for us and not against us that we believe uh, is in service to others that what we believe and how we act and the things that we say are to move us forward instead of backwards that makes sense so so for me um, a lot of people they have questions about their next steps and what they should do next and they're surrounded they're in a world that says uh, uh, you can't have what you want right if you have a job you can only get paid fifteen dollars an hour there's no room for uh, uh there's no room for abundance you know <laughs> right there's no room for anything on top of the paycheck could come to them in any way and sometimes money wow. comes to us in ways that we could we could never dream of right so it's about opening up to possibilities and then the reason that we would raise our vibration or our energy is to remember first of all remember that we're made up of that and in that remembrance we raise a little bit in the or the belief and and so that's why uh, i invited 
you know, to, to invite your guardian or your, your um, guardian angel to, to show you proof, right? They will show you baby steps first. And this, spoke, this speaks to earlier, you said, you know, seeing an angel in the flesh, right? That was part of your question that I forgot to address. Um, usually they will give you baby steps first. So you say, uh, hey, I have a question. And you ask your guardian angel and you say, I'm open to getting the answer. And then you go out to the car and you turn on the radio and the next song you hear is the lyrics are the answer to the question. And you go, huh, <laughs> I, asked, I asked for that and it happened. That's probably angel. Boom. Subconscious mind believes a little bit. Right, a little bit more, and then you go out into the world and you you say, "What's my next question?" You keep asking that question over and over again. I really want to answer this question. I know if I'll get the answer to this question, that it'll be angels because I have not been able to get to this question in my own head. So I keep asking the question, ask the question, and then you go to see a friend of yours, and the friend goes, "You know, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to tell you this." And then they tell you something, boom, it's the answer to the question, right? And you're like, "Oh, whoa, it's the answer to my question." So you start asking for evidence they show you evidence in baby steps and each of those little baby steps your subconscious mind goes angels i believe and as you get more and more proof and your subconscious mind starts to believe now your subconscious mind opens up to all possibilities right and then you may hear a voice then you might still hear voices right audible voice where you say hey i have a question and then you hear and you go thank you you get the answer, right? That's like the next step that you can work up to. And then eventually you may get to where you say, uh, hey, so-and-so, whether it's somebody who passed over or an archangel or whoever, and you ask, show yourself to me, and then they do. But rarely does that happen where you go from, yeah, I don't know if I really believe this, I've never really seen anything, to asking an archangel to show up and then they show up, right? <laughs> because that's like too much for your mind to make that jump, you know, too much for your subconscious mind to accept. So, so the only time typically that people ask the first time for evidence and proof, and then they whoo, show up and materialize in front of you, right? Those are rare occasions. And on those occasions, they just need to get you to some purpose that you're here on earth, like really, really fast. Like, it's timely, right? Like, I got to get you. Okay, I'm glad you asked. Let's go. Like, it's it's rare that that happens because they need to bring us inch by inch, step by step to where we'll be able to believe. And so mm, that's really yeah, how it happens. It, so why, yeah, so why why to raise our vibration? There's a million ways to say it. Um, uh, you know, a, a Christian way to say it was to bring you closer to God. Right. That's why to uh, for more metaphysical people, uh, you know, they're in the metaphysics, then it would be raise your vibration so that you have direct access and can hear answers to questions that you have. Right? You can get clear and direct answers in real time to questions that you have uh, to somebody who doesn't believe in any of that, any of that, it would that just believes in energy. Well, well, raise your vibration means raise your energy to a place where you feel better, to a place where you can hear somebody say something negative and it doesn't affect you because you know that you're okay, that you you never have been homeless and no one would let you be homeless, period. If you had the guts to tell somebody, hey, I'm going to be homeless, they would say, hey, here's my couch, right? So <laughs> no matter how you look at it, uh, to raise our vibration uh, just means uh, go to a higher place, go to a place um, that where we uh, feel good and then keep attracting more reasons to feel good. Now, I have to ask you this. It just popped into my head for some reason. I don't know if it's because of myself or a listener. Uh, for me, I don't think that it is because I'm not in this situation, but it could be for a listener here on Off the Shelf. Um, I always think that it's important to pay attention to the people around you as well. So if you are around yeah. people who are constantly putting you down, you're talking about raising vibrations, they're constantly putting you down, criticizing you, judging you, and even like domestic violence, I tell people get out of that. I, I don't know how you could keep your vibrations up and be in an environment where that is occurring every single day. It does it, yeah. does it when it comes to raising vibrations, is it important that we be around people who – they're just not like almost dragging you, dragging you down yeah. like, when it comes to vibrations. 
Yeah, yeah. The way it was put to me by uh, some of my mentors, and one of them was Jack Canfield, the Chicken Soup for the Soul author, he said, you are the five people that you hang out with the most. Uh, you are that person. So, so think about who are the five people that I hang out with the most and get their faces or write their names, get their faces into your head, and then start thinking to yourself, who are they? Are they negative? Are they naysayers? Do they... Uh, do they support me? <laughs> you know, are they are they loving to me? Do they do they care for me? Do they care for themselves? Are they supportive of themselves? Really break down like what are the qualities of those five people? And as you do that, you'll start to see that all the qualities of those five people, you are yourself as well. And so if you you're like, wow, man, I'm really I've been really negative this whole last month and that's usually not like me. Who have I been hanging out with? And look, <laughs> you're hanging out with negative people. I can guarantee you you're hanging out with negative people or they've been telling you negative things and you've just been soaking that up. You know, whether it's conscious or subconscious, you're soaking it up and then it's in your cells, it's in your body, and you're just taking it on and then you're just being that yourself. So you are the five people that you hang out with the most. So you want to really be aware of that. And then you are what you read, you are what you watch on TV. You know, it just blows my mind that the number one shows in the world are killing shows death shows, CSI, all that, you know, all NCIS, there's a million of them. People I know, everybody watching them. And then we wonder why teenagers who are watching those shows are shooting up a school, are coming up with creative ways to kill people. It's like, that's what they're watching every day. Kill, 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 all the time kill. And then we wonder why we have so much killing in the world, you know? It's like, that's what they're feeding into their subconscious mind, you know, and, and even the most creative ways to kill people. It's, it's just beyond me that, uh, that we would watch those shows and think that it would do anything positive for us <laughs> to watch. Mm. Uh, but that's just, that's, that's my judgment. Right. And I have in the past had shows that I love that were kind of like mystery shows, like you were talking about, uh, like our, our publishing company, we only, publish books that make a difference like we wouldn't publish uh, a murder or mystery because that's just not what we do we we want to make sure that you feel better when you put down a book that we published than when you picked it up no matter what <laughs> you, you're like oh that, oh that felt fed my soul it felt so good inside of me so that's just what we choose to publish and then if somebody has something about war or something else then i have other people who are friends who will publish that and so i just refer them over there <laughs> you know so it's like we we want our public publications to be a vibration for our message and who we are which is so positive. you know you cannot this wasn't a question i was going to ask you but we come down to about six seven minutes left in the show so, so for your yeah. your pub, book publishing company, are you taking on new authors for our off-the-shelf listeners? And if so, how would they get in contact with you? Uh, and, and specifically, what type of books? So, like, would you take on a book on finances, how to get your finances together, um, relationships, how to improve your marriage? What type of books do you take on, and how would any off-the-shelf yeah. listeners interested in working with you uh, contact you? Yeah, well, if you, that's why I sent you to uh, Leon Smith Publishing, Leon Smith Publishing. And then uh, if you go, our, our company started many, many years ago as Baby Pie Publishing. So that's like the main company. So it's B-A-B-Y-P-I-E Publishing, Baby Pie. And if you go to Amazon and you type in Baby Pie Publishing, you'll just see title after title after title after title, page after page after page of books that we published. And uh, – and they are, like you said, they, there's some real estate, there's finance, there's relationship stuff, there's uh, there's uh, some novels, right? There are a lot of different types of books that we published, but again, all of them have have a happy ending, right? <laughs> or a positive positive message. And uh, but yeah, we we work with people uh, uh, from either from the beginning or from the book from where you have a manuscript and it's ready for editing. Uh, we don't work with someone who's, you know, it's already edited, it's all layout, covers done. That's not a match for us because we have choices that we make as 20 years as publishers in the business. We have choices that we make so all of our books look and feel the same. 
if it's that far uh-huh. ahead, we wouldn't be a match. But if you're from the oh. beginning or this book is ready for editing, like from that point on, then we can look at the manuscript. Then we could, through the editing process, you could see what it's like to work with our team. We could see what the book's about, what it's like to work with you, and we get to know each other. And then when we both feel like it's a match, then we have a publishing conversation. That's the way that we do it. And you said 20 years, you've been in this 20 years. So do you follow yeah. a, a process? You sort of set the steps for yourself in writing books. Do you do outline, character sketches? When you sit down and write, how do you actually put a book, put a book together? Yeah, that's a long question. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the Roadmap to Success is what I used when I uh, when I wrote a book myself. And so uh, that, I think you can type in, you know, Keith Leon roadmap somewhere out there is is it's out there where you can find the, the PDF or, or get it on the exact roadmap. Uh, but yeah, just uh, with our you speak it process, which is most of the people that we work with uh, these days seem to be, be entrepreneurs and people that don't have time to write a book, and so so we just lead you through the process. You, you have to do nothing except for show up because you already know the stuff. It's our job to get it out of you with ease and grace. So you just show up, you already know this stuff, and we just get you to speak it. So that's the way we work with that. Uh, but the way I work is I just, um, the quick way to say it was start with a blank page, say, what do I want to talk about in this book? I throw everything out on the page until I'm done right in that moment, right? Until I'm done with, yeah, I think that's it. That's my book. And from that point on, I stop and don't come in with anything else. That's the book. Anything after that is called the next book. And then I uh, take everything that I wrote and say, okay, so which of these chapter titles, basically, that's what I just came up with, right? I say, which one wants to go first? And whichever title jumps out at me first, I put a one next to it. Okay, then what will I say next? What, what wants to go next? Whatever jumps out, I put a two next to that. So I do that until I have a number next to all of them, and then I put them all in order on another sheet and call it the Roadmap to Success. And then I start writing the first uh, chapter that feels the easiest to me, like I could write that chapter in my sleep. Because you don't have to write in chronological order. You can write in any order, right? So you, uh, there's only kind of two two things that two rules because i'm not a big rules guy but once you do that process you're always writing the chapter that feels the easiest and you complete a chapter before you move on to the next if you follow that format then uh you can write in whatever order and you'll always be writing what you feel like you're ready to write right instead of in chronological order because if you think about it if the first chapter that you had to write was something really heavy and dark and you didn't want to look at it you would just go, no, and push it away and stop writing. And that's why you can't write in chronological order. Right? So uh, so there's that. And uh, before we run out of time, I just want to share with everybody that to get the angel book, you go to walkingwithmyangelsbook.com. So walkingwithmyangelsbook.com. And from there, it will... You, you can click off and go to Amazon and get the book however you like. But the reason you go to walkingwithmyangelsbook.com is because you come back and put in the order number for the book, and you get $1,600 worth of cool free stuff from me and uh, many famous people that you'll know that will support you in your journey as you read the book. So I didn't want to, you wow. to just get the book. and want, uh, Yeah, I wanted you to get tools and things that would help you as you read the book. So, so Walking With My Angels book Go there, click off, get the book on Amazon, come back, put the order number in, you get $1,600 worth of uh, free cool stuff. Well, that is that is definitely a plus. I had so many more questions I wanted to ask you, but we are out of time. And I mean, I had so many more questions that we didn't even get to touch on. So we want to thank Keith Leon for being here with us this morning. And do please go to Walking With My Angels book. It's spelled exactly where it sounds, walkingwithmyangelsbook.com. He said you can order the book at Amazon and then come back and put it in, get the uh, the free uh, gifts that he's given out. But he's authored the he's known as the book guy, Walking With My Angels, Who Do You Think You Are? Discover the Purpose of Your Life, the World's Greatest Business Card, which we talked about. You Make a Difference, Make a Book, Move a Book, Book Sale, The Seven Steps to Successful Relationships, and so many other things I wanted to discuss with Keith that we didn't get to. But he's at LeonSmithPublishing.com if you're interested 
and working with his book publishing company mm-hmm. and the book we really uh, dived into the most today, walkingwithmyangelsbook.com. I encourage you to get a copy and support Keith Leon. We want to thank Keith for being here with us this morning. If you came in midstream, and I know a lot of people come in the show. It's a Saturday morning. You come in midstream. You're like, oh, my God, I missed so much of the show. Once it finishes streaming, you can go back and listen to it in its entirety in the archives and share it with whoever you think might benefit or enjoy the show today. I want to thank those, if it's your first time tuning in to Off the Shelf, encourage you to come back next Saturday and just put it on your calendar every Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, you're going to catch Off the Shelf. And to our loyal listeners, so many of you who have been with us for 15 years, I thank you, thank you, thank you. As I always tell you, you are incredible. You are amazing. You are phenomenal. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Keith, I'll shoot you an email when the show finishes streaming. Thank you, and bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye.